What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to the Atlanta edition of the Cross Flags Fantasy Racing Weekly Podcast. I am J Doug. Today is February the 22nd, Friday, and I am here to bring you a little preview of Atlanta. Um, it's going to be a little difficult to um, kind of break down the drivers and everything because we have no data to go off of. So, um, yeah, let's just kind of get right into it, man. Um, Atlanta, the track of Atlanta is one of my favorite tracks, uh, mainly because of how rough and abrasive the uh, track is. It's very, um, man, it, it just chews up tires, man. It's like a cheese grater. Uh, so that lends its hand to drivers that take care of their tires, uh, ones that just kind of hang around in the top 10 and just kind of wait for everybody else to fall off. Usually it takes about 15, 20 laps, and they just kind of migrate to the front. And depending on pit stops and everything else, you know, they just kind of stay up there all day unless they have some kind of a penalty or whatever, but then they'll come right back through because they're so good at saving their tires the first 10, 15 laps. So... Atlanta is a 1.5-mile track, and they call them cookie-cutter tracks, not a cookie-cutter track. That's what people call them, though, between Atlanta, Las Vegas, Texas, you know, Homestead, those types of tracks. I mean, they're, they're all different. They all have their own characteristics. So I don't like calling them that, but very, very fun track to do DraftKings on, mainly at Atlanta, because... It promotes passing. Now, now, speaking of passing, um, the new package, um, I've been listening to interviews for months, you know, since January, all the way up to yesterday. And they talked to driver after driver, crew chief after crew chief, owner after owner, and and no one knows what to expect. No one has a clue. And... um, so when we go into this race and this new package, it is going to be extremely hard to use data uh, unless uh, we can use the data that we get out of the practices. You know, we can use um, the data that we see visually in practices. Um, Until I just see that the same players are the same players, I'm kind of just calling this a clean slate for everybody. So you're going to have to take these first couple of weeks with a grain of salt, and that's why moving on to my next item, watching practices is going to be so humongous. Um, Because used to to be you could just go to Atlanta and look up the data on – you know, driveraverages.com or racingreference.info and, you know, make a pretty good lineup, to be honest with you. And with this new package, they have a new aero package, um, eight-inch spoiler, a pan in the front. I mean, just a lot of things up underneath the car that are totally, totally different that make that car uh, do what it does. And then, and then, and then on top of that, you have a new engine package with a tapered spacer, which is basically a, um, a 
a restrictor plate that instead of it just being a solid size all the way through the plate, it's like beveled. It's bigger at the top, smaller at the bottom. The idea behind that would be keep the car's horsepower down, but give them a little bit more throttle response than they have at, say, the restrictor plate tracks. So, but we just don't know. I mean, we can look back to the all-star race where they, well, this is a version of that, but I mean, it's just hard to tell. I mean, it's going to be closer racing, I do believe, but I also believe that places like Atlanta, you know, there's going to be passing, I think, because um, we did see like a 15 car pack at um, Las Vegas for practicing uh, this new package and it was hard to pass there. But I think Atlanta is a different beast because it's multi-groove, you know, rough track that uh, chews up tires. And I think that that's going to promote some passing. Now, how much passing? I don't know. That's why I'm just dying to see practice. I think everybody's dying to see practice. So what we're going to need to do is, like I said, on my podcast and all my articles, I like to teach people. I don't like just giving people picks. I know that's what y'all want, but I think that if I can somehow give y'all some information that you can use at pretty much every track and just rinse and repeat, like you'll become a better player. And that's that's what I did. And I think that's what, you know, I think that's what everybody needs to do. They don't need to just, I mean, if I give you picks, yeah, but you don't know why. You know, you don't understand how I came up with those picks. I mean, heck, I might be off by one driver and you might be on that driver because I taught you how to play. So, this week, I think we're going to need to definitely watch, watch, watch practice. I mean, I think that is so important to do. Visual this week is going to be huge. Um, then also, on top of that, they give out the lap times. They give out a fastest, the, the fastest lap, you know, on the practice one, practice two. They also give out 10 lap averages on practice one, practice two. But what I like to do because everybody has access to that information. What I like to do is I like to take the, their fastest lap from practice one, practice two, and average them together. And this is why. In practice one, they're going to start with race trim, most of them, and they're going to do some race trim stuff, and then they're going to switch over to qualifying trim, and they're going to run a couple laps, see how fast the car is in Q trim. So you have two variables in that practice. Then you have practice number two, which is all racing. It's all racing set up. It's all just racing practice. And so you have that variable. And with all those variables in there, when you average the lap one time and the lap two times of any particular driver, I do all the drivers, um, you get all those variables included into a number, into an average lap time. And so take every driver, put their first practice speed, their second practice speed together, average them, and then rank them from fastest to slowest. And you're going to be amazed what pops off the page. I mean, you're really going to be amazed what pops off that page. Um, but as far as the watching of the the practice, I have a buddy. Uh, y'all, ha- y'all haven't met him, uh, heard from him yet. His name is Bull. He is absolutely um, amazing when it comes to visual. Um, I'm good at it. But it's just his thing. I mean, there's been so many times where, you know, I was I was trying to have a hard time with a couple of drivers, and he would get me on a driver I wasn't even on, and it would win me a lineup, so or win me a contest. 
So visual is going to be huge, especially this week. So I'm going to lean on him. Yeah, his analysis will be, I will integrate it into my articles uh, for the for the races that aren't the big tracks, the, the Talladegas and Daytonas. I just think that's just mere luck. I mean, there's no real way visual is really doing you any good there. I mean, a little bit, but not a whole lot. So, yeah, I'm going to be putting his stuff in there uh, with with my stuff. So um, after you get after you watch practice, after you manually do the average times, the good thing to do is print out a, a sheet of the starting lineup, get you a highlighter, and highlight all the favorites. Anybody that was fast in practice, anybody that is in a good starting position with a good name, anybody that's in the back of a lineup, like in the 30s with with, a, with an awesome car, um, you know, all those need to be highlighted because those are going to be your high owned high owned high owned plays. So those are the ones that everybody's going to be targeting, and you need to target a couple of them, one or two of them, but you know you don't need to target a whole lineup of them. That that kind of ruins lineups that you'll you'll never win a tournament that way so then after i get those guys highlighted i'll highlight the ones that i like i'll look at my 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 manual average sheet that i have made and ranked and i will see who's fast that isn't quite popular isn't or isn't in a great position but has a really fast race car Uh, if a race car if a driver is you know top five on the average sheet that i made and he starts 20-something, I'm going to definitely target that guy. You know, depending on how good I think he is, I'll target him, you know, a certain percentage, maybe 20 to 40, 50%, depending on how how I feel about that driver. And um, and so that's just kind of how I go about it. So when it comes to the, the, the core drivers that everybody's going to be targeting, you might, you might have to, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Harvick starts in third or fourth spot or um, – or pretty much anywhere has blazing fast speed, you know, you're going to have to be on that guy. Everybody's going to be on that guy. But then the other guy that's kind of showing so-so speed, but, you know, you know he's going to be pretty good or everybody thinks he's going to be pretty good, you might want to fade him and plug someone in else uh, that you uh, think is going to be better. You know, that's how you win lineups is going contrarian with people. And we'll get into that in a little bit. So when it comes to Atlanta, you're going to have to have dominators. You're going to have to have place differential plays. And then uh, my favorite is position plays because position plays is the ones that uh, all the amateurs and rookies uh, overlook. So dominators are anybody that's going to dominate the race. Pretty simple. They're going to get fastest laps. They're going to lead laps. You know, no matter where they start, they're going to move to the front. They're going to get those fast laps and load laps. So you're going to have to target one, two, maybe even three of those guys, depending on your strategy. Uh, we'll cover that in a minute. But you know, you're going to have to get one to three of these guys. Then you have your position plays. Uh, these are my favorite plays because these are the plays that, you know, when people pick dominators, they'll pick a guy in second and a guy in seventh or a guy in second, guy in fifth. And then all of a sudden they're, they're, they're picking place differential plays, which, are, you know, after you pick those dominators, everybody's brain jumps to the back of the field, like to the teens, to the 20s, to the 30s. And that's where everybody's brain goes. But what you need to start understanding is that being contrarian to the field is how you win tournaments. So if you pick two dominators in the top ten, well, look at the top ten some more and say, okay, this guy's quick. He's very fast. He starts eighth. 
and I think he could finish eighth, or I think he could finish seventh, somewhere around where he started. Well, that's going to be some good points compared to like a, a value play in the back that's only going to move up ten spots. The guy in the front is going to get fastest laps because he's in the top ten. That's where they're running the fast laps. So he's going to get fraction uh, fractions of points there, which add up quickly. And then he's going to get more points than the guy that's a value play moving up 10 spots from 28th position to 18th. I mean, he's just going to get more points than him. And these are the guys everybody overlooks. So after you pick your dominators in the top 10, or you know, sometimes dominators come from as far back as 12th, 13th, 14th, but continue looking at those guys and say, you know, that guy might not have a winning car, but he's definitely got a fifth-place car, and he starts sixth. Well, you need to pick that guy instead of picking a value play. Well, pick one of those position play drivers and then jump to your you know, teens and 20s and possibly even 30s um, because those are just, the, just, just ways to be different. That's the name of this whole game is being different from everybody and making sure your lineup looks nothing like anybody else's. And then when it all comes together, you jump to the top of the board because you're different than everybody because if you're not different than everybody, everybody's going to move up when everybody does what everybody did and you're just going to be you know, 2,000th place. I mean, you're just not going to be anywhere near the top of the board. So that's so you got your dominators, got your position plays, then you got your place differential plays, which are you know self-explanatory guys that you think that start in the t- late teens to you know 20s and 30s that are going to move up the most, and you pick those guys. So depending on how you do it, one or, one to three dominators, you know one to two position plays, most likely it's one, and then you got your you know two to three teens, 20s, 30s place differential plays. Um, and that's just kind of your basic lineup construction. Now, how you build those, how you how you build those uh, those those lineups, is you have to come up with a strategy. You have to have a strategy. And when I say strategy, it means by looking at these races, how's it going to play out? Is there going to be one guy that's going to be a dominator, and then the rest are going to move up? Is it going to be one guy going to be a dominator, and then one guy's going to hang out in the top ten, and then you know more guys are going to you know move up? Um, just kind of how the race is going to play out, how many cautions are going to be at the end, how's that going to affect your lineup? It's just an all—it's a guess, but come up with five or six strategies that you can build a lineup around, and that's how you kind of figure out who you're putting in any certain lineup to kind of cover a strategy that you may have, you know, and so you basically come up with that strategy, you know, implement it to the fullest in a lineup, and then maybe build another lineup with a different strategy. And you know, but make sure that every pick has a purpose. You're not just picking them because you think they're going to be fast. I mean, you have to, you know, pick them because it fits that strategy, and then change your strategy up and build a lineup for that strategy. How you think that the the, the line, how the race is going to play out. So the other thing you have to look at is the ownership. I know I've talked about it a million times, but you know you don't need a ton of high-owned guys. It never wins races. Um, if you know that there's two really blazing fast cars in the top ten and you can't really fade them, well then you're going to get those two guys, and then you're going to go with a contrarian pick later. You know, back in the back, back further, whatever. But you have to come up with plays that are that are lower ownership because that's what's going to what's going to what's going to win you a contest 
You know, I mean, you have a popular driver in 17th and then a, guy, a driver that's right behind him, you know, showed to be really fast in practice, but no one seems to be talking about him, but you, you know he's really fast. Well, that's one extra place, you know, and everybody's on that guy in 17th, but the guy on 18th ain't nobody talking about, but you know he's blazing fast. You know, that that's who needs to be in your lineup. You know, same thing with the guys further in the back. Now, once you get way to the back, if you got like a, you know, top-tier car starting 30-something, that's going to be one of those guys that, that you can't that you can't fade. And um, But when it comes to these, you know, so-so picks, you know, should I pick, you know, David Reagan or should I pick Michael McDowell? You know, kind of figure out what position they're in, who's going to be more popular, and maybe go with the, uh, the, uh, the other one, you know. And uh, I think it's probably the best the best way to go about it. Um, so ownership is huge. Uh, being contrarian in your ownership, being contrarian in your picks, going being contrarian with your with your you know your your dominators even sometimes works. Um, and build that strategy, you know. I mean, that you know, build a lineup behind that strategy. That is so important. Um, and then, kind of last but not least, something that I've learned to do, and it's won me so many time, won me a ton of money, is you just have to make a conviction, because with thirty to forty drivers that you can choose from, there are so many different ways to build a lineup. You know, so many different ways. And you need to narrow that pull down. So you need to watch the practices, get your average times, come up with some picks that you really like, and you go with those guys. Pick one or two of them and just put them in every lineup, or at least 80 or 90% of your lineups. You know, Make a conviction on one or two guys and then build the, 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 the lineups, the rest of the four picks, the four drivers, build them differently. You know, so you'll, so in 80, 90% of your lineups, you'll have two drivers that are the same, and then all the other four drivers in every lineup will be different. You know, build around a strategy, make a conviction on one or two drivers, because if you don't make a conviction on one or two drivers and just play everybody 10, 15%, you, the likelihood of you hitting a, a winning lineup is, is very small. Yes, I understand if you make a conviction and it doesn't work and those two guys don't do well, then you're pretty much out. But this is the way to, to, to narrow your... Um, player pull down and to kind of narrow down your that way you can have a multiple amount of variety with a certain conviction instead of just not having a conviction and because I mean you're not going to make a thousand lineups no one's going to do that even the guy that make a hundred even the guys that make 150 lineups you know they can't even cover all the scenarios so if you just narrow down it narrow it down to two guys that you're going to play because you're so sold on those guys and then you change up the other four you know if those two guys do good that the likelihood of you hitting tons of money is very very high so that is another thing that i've learned to do it's a boomer bust type situation but man when you hit it is great it'll make your whole year so i would you know highly recommend making a conviction the last thing I'm going to talk about is is I truly believe that two heads are better than one, four heads are better than two, eight heads are better than four. So if y'all have any ideas, please comment on my posts. 
give me some ideas. Don't just give me a driver cause you, and tell me he's fast. Give me a reason why you think or what you saw on practice or whatever, man. I'd love to, you know, talk to a couple people, uh, talk to several people and kind of kick around some ideas. Maybe you're on a guy that I'm not. Maybe, you know, you have a good reason to be on that guy and, you know, vice versa. You know, you just never know, you know, what's going to, how it's going to play out. So I love to talk and, and get uh, some ideas from people. I mean, I'm not the Mr. Know-it-all over here, man. I mean, I only learn by, I mean, I've only gotten good by learning from other people. And, I mean, I still learn stuff. I mean, everybody has different ideas, and everybody sees stuff differently. So, yeah, please hit me up on, on, on the page. Um, like my page, share my page, and, uh, yeah, let's just let's get this done. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release an article this weekend, probably after the practices, after qualifying. And, like I said, if you all see anything in practice, let me know. If not... You know, we'll catch you on the flip side. Man, more to come, man, more to come.